Lantern Noir presents The Bitter Victory, a 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons actual play podcast. This episode was recorded live at twitch.tv slash lanternnoir. Ravenloft 1921 is a gothic horror story with themes and situations that may not be appropriate for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. We now present Ravenloft 1921 Session Zero. This was recorded on March 20th, 2022. With that, we open the gates and we begin session zero of Ravenloft 1921, the pre-modern take on Curse of Strahd. Uh, my name is Rob, aka Lantern Noir, and I get to have all the fun of being the dungeon guide. Uh, I have kind of suspended the use of the, the term dungeon master, uh, for one for the historical reference being a little bit icky, and second being, I'm not really the master of anything here. I'm just kind of like pointing people down a path and hoping to gosh, they actually follow it, which usually they don't. And I have to go drag them back onto the path, screaming and kicking and patching up wounds like any other guide does. Um, They're really more like guidelines. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so on that note, I love to let the table introduce themselves um, as to who they are who their first D&D character was God. <laughs> that they are willing to share or oh, that they can remember um, and then who they're going to be playing for this campaign. And we'll go around the table. We're going to start with my, my dear friend, friend for over 20 years, Outer Dork. Yeah. Uh, so this is my, my real first uh, outing on Twitch. So bear with me here. But yeah, I am Outer Dork, otherwise known as Andy. Uh, yeah, I have uh, known Rob since, you know, he was teaching me physics <laughs> and desperately trying to teach me C++. Bless your heart, you tried so hard. <laughs> uh, my first D&D character that I am willing to admit to was probably Gorgol Stonehand, who was an Augrin fighter from the Iron Kingdoms setting for D&D 3.0 who I played through most of college through a, at this point, somewhat legendary campaign setting called the Witchfire Trilogy from a company called Privateer Press. We had a ton of fun with that. It was a blast. Uh, for this game, I am playing Luis Harburk, a magician and thespian out of New York with some odd connections to the occult that will be explored potentially as time goes on. Which I'm looking forward to because I have no idea how Elder Gods work yet. <laughs> Good, that makes two of us. <laughs> cool. Hey, Shan, we're glad to have you. Ride. Um, and then June. Hi, uh, I'm June. I'm playing Agnes Devereaux, who is a rogue archaeologist, rogue uh, rogue class, and she is an archaeologist. So this is going to get interesting. Um. The first character I ever played, I think I'm going to say the name wrong. Um, I know the last name. I'm going to say, I'm just going to say her last name because I don't remember the first name. Her name, her last name was Timbershroom, and um, she was a gnome warlock who had no idea how she got her magic because I was didn't know what to do for backstory. So I'm like, you have amnesia. We're going to figure it out as we go. We're going to decide what the uh, DM. We're going to go with whatever the DM gives me. And the campaign lasted three sessions. Oh. 
That's a decent length campaign. I don't think we ever leveled up. <laughs> oh. oh no. She is forever trapped at level one. She was oh, level no. three. We, it was a level three start campaign, so she's trapped at level three. Oh, the poor thing. Yeah. The poor thing. Yeah, it's okay. Okay, upon She's probably up. dead in a ditch somewhere. Oh, don't say that. Oh, that got dark. <laughs> Um, hi, my name is Kaidapon. I am playing uh, Darling Odessa. She is the bodyguard of the campaign. Um, and my first D&D character was only, what, like last year? No, year before that. Yeah, 2020. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a COVID D&D player. <laughs> um, and it was a tiefling celestial warlock who... Yeah, I that was that was just I was winging it so hard. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I played her wrong. Like I had all the spell slots in the world, <laughs> and uh, you know, um, and no one ever corrected me. So I guess you know it's not all my fault. But <laughs> it's the job of a couple of people at the table. Usually, yeah. they're supposed to kind of. Be like, hey, that's kind of sus. How many, <laughs> how many first level spells are you casting like, again? Like healing everybody right now? Like, don't you run out of spell slots? Maybe? No? Okay. Possibly. And then last but absolutely not least, back at my table for another campaign, Arwen. Um, I am Arwen Atreides, and I am playing um, Amelie, a.k.a. Amy St. Clair. Um and my first D&D character was Dernick the Musical, who was a dwarf bard. Um, and he was he, he was kind of a homebrew bard class from my new at the time DM, who was like, this is, idea is hilarious. Can I run with it? Um, so I had, he gave me a list of instruments that, he gave me a list of instruments. I was a one man band. Um, and he gave me a list of like a washboard, a sousaphone, a flute, and he had me pick three instruments and then gave them all damage um, abilities when I played them. And it, he looks back at it and goes, yeah, that was horribly broken. I'd, ha I'd, I'd have to completely redo that, but it was so much fun. And I still am trying to figure out how to, how to come back as him someday because I had no idea what I was doing, but it was killing people with music was the most fun I've ever had. And that's what we like. There's I, a new I, campaign idea. <laughs> Everybody has to come back as their first character and play them correctly and and like real modded. Like, well, I I can't because mine's dead. <laughs> There's this new thing in Ravenloft where you can come back as like a ghost. Yeah, because because my first character um was and I don't recall his name. I. I think he was a fighter because my little sister made a rogue and then whatever happened my cousin who was running the game decided that he was going to introduce her to the party in a way that we attacked her oh so she killed my character oh that's rude um, that's one way to get out a uh, sibling rivalry and we we still talk about the fact that we were all upstairs in my room we were all playing D D, and and little robbie came downstairs in a way that we attacked and, and 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 a little tear was going down because i wasn't allowed to play anymore because sarah killed my character oh that's just mean yep. yeah 
And she she doesn't every once in a while she likes to remind me that hey I've killed your character I can take care <laughs> oh, of myself. Oh. <laughs> I like that. That's not every so often she apologizes. It's every so often she's like, "Twist the dagger, twist it, it's in your back." I think it's time for a rematch. Yeah, I, and that one is like, eh, okay, we'll bring back. Yeah, make a deck save. Oh, you missed. A couch falls on you. Yeah. Wow. We'll bring back all our characters and we'll get revenge for yours. There you go. There we go. That's as why it, we're all reunited. I can blow her head off with my sousaphone. <laughs> I can stick my suit on her. That happened. I got it. I got a critical hit, and there were like two hit points left on this orc. And my brother was like, "How do you want to do it?" <laughs> blew his head clean off with. I think yeah, it was it was wonderful. Well, you know, some sometimes that's just the way the dice roll. Yeah. We're still trying to figure out in our Discord uh, exactly how a group of, I think, fifth-level characters managed to kill an, a, an adult white dragon without it getting an action. What? Oh, what? that's impressive. All monks. All monks. We're, we're, I'm, I'm, I, think, I think there may have been some tactical errors on the DM's part. Pikachu um, face. But we are discussing it. Yeah. <laughs> we're, currently, we're currently in negotiations. How did that happen again? Um, but the good news, there are no dragons in this campaign, so that we should be good to go on. Um, okay. I have an agenda that we're going to kind of work our way down, uh, although it can be done in kind of any order because they're all just things that have to happen at session zero. Um, are, are there going to be any dungeons? Because if there's neither dungeons or dragons, we might actually have a problem with the International Committee. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> I'll be taking notes to hand over to HR. Oh, my God. <laughs> resources <laughs> now to be fair that is kind of part of the reason you have a session zero it is kind of like that 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 onboarding <laughs> hr meeting mm -hmm. these are things that happen in our workplace these are things that don't uh kind of like that scene in uh, criminal minds when they open the episode with them in an hr meeting discussing terms you don't use to refer to co-workers <laughs> oh like, my god <laughs> Remember that scene? This, this is about Morgan and Garcia, isn't it? And then they cut to them. I'm like, yep, it is. <laughs> yep, yeah. it is. And for those playing at home, that is a classic example of the kinds of things you cannot do in the workplace. Trust me, I've been through those meetings. Ugh. Anyway. My, my company's so small, we don't have HR. <laughs> uh, I'll come back to the joke off stream. Okay. <laughs> so speaking of such things, um, one of the things that I prefer um, to set up early on is the idea of making sure we're all on board with the fade to black as a concept. And then there's also the, I, the stoplights. Fade to black is what I usually refer to it as when we, if the scene is going in a direction that anyone is starting to get kind of uncomfortable with it, but it feels like it's still in character, we can just say, stop at that point, the, the camera fades to black, and then we can just quickly hash out without being in role play, what happened in the scene. This is usually for, you know, the, the easiest one to think of is intimate scenes. But it can also apply to scenes that start to kind of push at people's comfort zones with things like torture, um, violence against per, per certain groups, violence against animals, perhaps even. Like, we don't, 
Not everybody wants to role play slaughtering and plucking a chicken. We can just say, you found a chicken, and now it's on the fire. What happened in between? It happened off camera. <laughs> um, Ravenloft is actually, actually, I keep saying Ravenloft, Curse of Strahd, from which Ravenloft is built, is actually itself a story that is came during the age of the early romantic vampire fiction. And in many of those themes, you can see the Hickmans tried to weave through the story. So it's not impossible for there to be in-character romance, um, both with NPCs and perhaps even within the party. He said, looking at the party and going, yeah, okay, I could see it. Um, but that's another tool we can use. If, like, if anyone's uncomfortable at the table, we just say, hey, let's just fade to black on this, and then we can pick it up where that, wherever that leads. Uh, to that end, too, I always have our Zoom chat open. I am going to deputize Arwen to be my second on that because I also have a lot of windows open. So it's <laughs> not impossible for me to miss a note over there. And she'll be the one to speak up if I'm missing something in Zoom chat to say, Rob, check Zoom chat. And I'll, I can peek over there um, and let me know what where we're at with that. From the color point of view, um, I like to do just a real simple, I'll ask you how we're doing. And the easiest answers are give me a color, green, yellow, or red. So if things feel like they're getting tense or if I'm picking up a vibe at the table, or you can spontaneously type that into the Zoom chat if you don't want to say it out loud, those all communicate how we're doing. Green means good, keep doing what you're doing. Yellow means, yeah, I don't know about this. This might be a good place to fade to black. This might be a good place to shift gears. Um make you know kind of like uh just communicate at the table that things are feeling a little awkward and then red is a full stop if anyone ever types red in their our zoom chat uh we will be going to a brb screen we'll have a chance to breathe talk as a as a group of five without the audience um maybe even call it a night and agree to come back on discord later to say hey how are we feeling about continuing this game or not um it is not a sign of anything weak or negative if you call a red it just means that something happened that made you highly uncomfortable, and we're not here for that. We're here to have fun, and if we're not having fun, we're doing it wrong. And that's kind of, as far as I know, like the biggest rule with, with role-playing games. If you're not having a good time, you need to do something different. So I don't want anyone to hit a spot where you don't want to come back on a given week because something happened that you didn't feel got addressed. Does that work, and are there questions or observations? I think those are both very good, very good systems. Cool beans. Everybody else feel pretty solid with that? Yep. yep. Sounds good. Yep. Pretty comparable to the rules I run in my games, so I'm all for mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Well, what's neat at the in in person, it's a I feel like it's actually a little harder to feel safe at the game because there's that visual pressure around the table and it's not as easy to slip a secret note to the DM. It's, it's a lot harder in person to write on a note. This is making me really uncomfortable. It's reminding me of this one time in college. Can we please change gears, fold it, and hand it? Whereas you can type that in Zoom chat and only two people know what happened. That's what texting is for. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I have okay, greatest way to send secret messages to your team at the table. <laughs> That's also how we get secret messages from my DM person. Arwen, check your phone. Oh, no. 
Words that inspire panic. Please check your phone. Uh oh. Uh, <laughs> can I speak to you for a second? We need to talk. <laughs> hey, can we talk? <laughs> I very nearly fired a manager over his tendency to do that to me. Oh my god. We need to talk. He'd do that all the time, and it'd be like, I got a cool project I think you'll be great for. Okay, we need to talk about how you preface things. We need to talk about how you say we need to talk. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I trained him, but it took me like two years. Yeah. We need to talk. <laughs> Panic. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I'm I'm I actually have like a macro on my, my email that just sends back to the admins. Is this a union matter? Like I get oh. an email that if it says we need to talk in the email, they get an auto reply. Oh wow. Nice. Eh, I'm not quite that paranoid yeah. about it, but I really should set a macro up for that. When my principal says, hey, can you come chat for a second? <laughs> it's usually I have a parent that wants to yell at me, but. Scream like a pterodactyl back at them. I... Like, nope, sorry. I'm on my way out the door to a dentist appointment. <laughs> See ya. Okay, so speaking of things we can't handle, um, we need to talk. Sounds like it's officially on the red list. Um, I, I have mixed feelings about the use of a checklist because on the one hand, it can be easier to see everything up front and go, yep, 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 nope, 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 yep, yep, yep. Um, but I also feel like they're, they can feel a little bit weird with a new group where you might find yourself going, are these things that are possibly going to happen? And it's like, I, I don't know. I don't think so. Um, and I don't want anyone to be wigged out at the get-go. So I tend to fall onto the, um, if you know of something that's off-limits, speak up. And let's get it off the table early. And if you're not sure, it's okay to also speak up and go, you know, I've seen this in some other games. I don't know if I want that in mine. Um, and kind of flesh things out from there. I will totally put on the table right now. Eyeballs are out. So... You can, you know, if, if you have to, like, jab your thumbs into a guy's face to get them to back off, that's fine. But you're not prying their eyeballs out while you're doing it. There, there's no stabbing in the eyes, no surgery on the eyes. Open, <laughs> open my notebook and write down, cannot aim for eyes. <laughs> you, you I'm just going to put my jar of eyeballs away. <laughs> <laughs> cannot, I, have, uh, cannot have, darling, collect eyeballs. Yes. <laughs> and I pickle them. That would be that would be on my no please list. Um, <laughs> as a D, even as a DM, I'm allowed to have the things where I'm like, nope, that is just oh, yeah. that wigs me out. Um, what did I expressly tell you not to do? Pop out eyeballs. And what did you do? <laughs> Popped out eyeballs. <laughs> to be fair, it was a glass eyeball. Rocks fall, you die. <laughs> Something like that. Um, I should caution you. Uh, no eyeballs. No eyeballs. Uh, the domains of dread can be pretty. They're meant for me to push your characters' um, pressure points. So as we go along, I am going to be kind of asking questions about how things are going for your character, what things are freaking them out. Um, it is kind of my job if I'm doing this right to keep pushing on those particular points. So there's going to be a lot of communication, I hope, with Arwen is okay with this. Amy is not. Whereas if that ever gets flipped, that's a really like, again, let me know. We can put it on the do not talk about list. Um, I feel like we've been pretty good chatting on Discord. So I'm not too worried on that front. 
Um, I don't believe there will be sexual violence. I'm racking my brain to think if there's anything in the story arcs that could be interpreted that way. Um, but there is violence. And there may be implied harm to children. If those are red flags for anybody as a absolutely not. I'm fine as long as there's no on-screen violence towards children. Partially because of my job. <laughs> um, and then that that's also just like I'm I'm fine with I'm fine with peril. I'm fine I'm fine with off-screen implied harm, but anything that's on screen involving children is violence is gonna be a no-go for me. I can do that. I am a okay with violence towards children. <laughs> That's fair, too. <laughs> fair enough. Yeah. Um, personally, I'm pretty open. Uh, it's a game. Agnes likes to beat kids. <laughs> Notes about characters. That, all sorts of Agnes does not care about children. That's, that's not going to end up on TikTok later. <laughs> <laughs> She is completely indifferent towards their harm. <laughs> that just told us a whole lot about Agnes. <laughs> Yikes. Things I learned playing d and <laughs> I'm going to just take yeah. a quick peek. Do I need to have a talk with you? No, I'm... It's more that she has a hard time... Emotionally connecting with people in peril or people in general. So it doesn't really connect that they're suffering. <laughs> okay. Interesting. As you put her down as lawful good. I the lawful is the key the key word there, I think. I might change that, but that's kind of what I started with. <sighs> no, lawful okay. good doesn't like Equate empathetic good. <laughs> yeah, she's not going to actively go out and hurt people. I'm not going to stab you because it's against the law, not because, you know, I don't want to make you feel hurt. bad. Exactly. <laughs> it's illegal, so I'm not going to do it. Exactly. Uh, the, old, reason. the old lawful lawful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There we go. That's what she is. She's lawful lawful. <laughs> Awful good does not mean empathetic good. Noted. <laughs> noted. Noted, noted. And as things happen, too, we can always add to the list um, as we go along. Uh, Death House is actually one of the suggested starting campaigns, and we're going to be using one from the Van Richten's Guide. Um, I think, from when I remember the story, I think it's pretty safe. It's pretty scary, but it's pretty... I mean, it's pretty ooky, I should say. It's hard to be... fear that an RPG is tough. Um, but I, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, it's got some, it's got some interesting elements to it. Um, <laughs> also, I am perfectly fine if you want your character to not have any romantic entanglements. Um, let me know if that's off the table, because I tend to try to mess with those. Louis is not interested in anybody. 
I am not good with romance. Not to say that I have a problem with other people having romantic entanglements, but as a role player, both as a DM in the past and as a player, I'm just bad at it. So it tends to not be Aww. the greatest story if I'm pretending to be romantic with someone. It just goes all the hell. So for the for the good of the story. Now, to be fair, I'm fine in real life. I just don't role play it well. So is that a please don't give my character a romantic interest? Or is that if you do acknowledge that this is going to be awkward for all five of us? <laughs> I would prefer the former, but hey, it's content, right? So like, you know, you have to make some decisions there. <laughs> Gotta get the views in somehow. <laughs> the situation happens and all the all three of us are just like just stare at his box. <laughs> He's doing it. <laughs> Your box is below mine, so I'm staring down. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. like, the box is this way. Bread. <laughs> I've got legs. <laughs> Honestly, that makes for some great content, if that's what you were saying. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Eddie Izzard paranoid flirtation sketch. Uh... I am open to romantic subplots. Do I'm not notice. necessarily let's do like one way or the other, but I'm open to it. We'll see where it goes. Same. I'm sorry. I can just see them like at a at a pub or whatever, and this woman like approaches Louis and is like, "Hey, handsome," and he's like, "Hello, person of the other gender." <laughs> <laughs> you do realize this pretty much guarantees your warlock patron is some kind of succubus, right? <laughs> I, I... I thought I set you up on like an awesome path for that with the backstory, but if you want to go that way instead, I'll roll with it. <laughs> Pun intended. Oh, actually, you and I are going to talk because a little part was like, if she sees you as a project. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> I'm done. Done. Hello. <laughs> We're going to have to talk about that one. <laughs> Oh, session zero. We're already breaking out the safety tools. Yes. <laughs> See, kids, this is why we do this on stream, so you can benefit from these learning opportunities. No, I, I, joking aside, I love the red, yellow, green system, and I, I like to make sure people like see it used rather than just be like afraid to use it. Which is why, while that was somewhat joking, that is a yellow for me because, like I said, romantic subplots that I am a part of make me a little uncomfortable. Okay, no problem. I can totally work around that. Um, plus, you know, I, I totally respect someone unrelatedly, but it popped in my brain. I actually had to write somebody out of a novel I'd written him into because it was a friend. I put him in because I needed like visual. So I went, oh, let's use this guy. Wham, threw him in there. And uh, he was involved in a couple of off camera sex scenes. And he was like, yeah, this is just weird. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, but she's hot. <laughs> That's. That sounds like a good good counter argument she's, in your she's, head. She's smart and sexy and hot and a PI and carries a gun. Yeah, no, it's just awkward, man. Can you can you name the character something else? Yeah. Okay. But he will always know it's him. Kinda. Yeah, and you'll it's always like, it know it's him. So. Like, and now we all know it's him. Kinda. So it's like he can't escape it. Nope. <laughs> dun dun dun. <laughs> Is that the way it rolls? Okay, so we as need we... need a soundboard. <laughs> as, we... <laughs> as we grow that list, keep me up to date on anything you want to add into it, especially as things come up. Um, if anything occurs to you between sessions, we have our Discord. I will encourage us to continue to communicate on it. 
because it's a great tool for us to kind of have those conversations away from the table. Um, just to make sure we're, we're, we're on the same page with each other throughout this process. Um, somewhat related to safety rules, uh, discrepancies. Generally speaking, I put a mental timer of about 60 seconds on rule debate and then I call it and we move on. I have no problems going back and, and saying I was wrong. Cause I usually am as outer dork knows from constantly looking things up for me, which I adore. I love it when people can double can, can get the rules ahead of me. We have a wonderful debate going on Twitter right now about the fact that fifth edition D and D is actually a really crunchy system. And I find crunchy lots of rules yeah. sure. compared to okay. some games. Sure. Compared to past D and D. No. <laughs> well, yeah, when you talk about parenting like crunchy is the absolute opposite so i uh -huh. like, I, I had no idea where you were oh going yeah that. the, the like, granola like, versus I'm, science argument. i'm on the crunchy tiktok unwillingly <laughs> i can't like, leave help like, okay I, I don't know where you're going with that <laughs> yeah no because fifth, fifth edition has a pretty pretty big rule set especially when you start adding in all the layers of things mm -hmm. um, and then you compare it to like another favorite game of mine kids on bikes which literally everything is a single die roll and the player yeah. usually picks the difficulty. Cause yep. I want to climb, climb up on the roof. DM goes, well, how hard do you think that'll be? I don't know. Moderately hard. So I guess that's a 10. Okay. Then roll your die. And that's, that's it. A really fascinating system. And I, I really want to try that sometime. Well, you know, it's not impossible for there to be another take on Ravenloft in the near future, <laughs> by which I mean near as in like Christmas. ish. <laughs> Good to know. I'm going to ignore the book. fact that that's near. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to roll to see if I can climb to the top of the Christmas tree. How hard do you think that'll be? Are you I a mean, cat? You mean physically or like chances of it not falling on top of you and destroying Christmas? Exactly. <laughs> Destroy is such a strong word. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Uncle Joe already does that. Yep. <laughs> And we all have an Uncle Joe. Somewhere. My dad. <sighs> My dad is Uncle Joe. Yeah. <laughs> he brings up politics at Christmas. Mm. Ew. Playing with fire. Yeah. Playing with fire. Okay. So safety, we did um, fade to black. We talked colors. We talked the red list. Um, we've kind of talked a little bit about communication. So I feel like we're good on that front. Uh -huh. Brief talk about rules. I kind of feel like this, the vibe I have at the table is we're here more to have fun than anything else. So I'm not overly worried. The only exception I really would add to the rules, like uh, the rule limit is if it's a life and death situation. In which case, then I'm perfectly fine taking our time on it because if someone's character is going to die, I want to be really confident we all agreed that's what happened. I don't want it to come down to something like we come back later and go, you know, I was looking. I had a legendary resistance I could have used because that would be kind of unfun. I am I am perfectly content to be a real rules lawyer when I am not playing or when I'm the DM because that's kind of the job. As a as a player in your game on camera in real time, I will not be grabbing books and checking rules. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty I'm pretty much content. 
not something I want to be spending my time doing. I'd rather be role playing and having fun. Uh, so, ten. and like as a DM, my rule has always been: I'm going to screw up the rules, but they're my rules to screw up. So, if I if I completely messed up your character, let me know, and we'll make it right as best we can. But other than that, let me like let me know if I'm wrong. Cool. But if it's a big deal, we'll figure it out after the game. And that's kind of how I will t- as a player. That's how I like to treat my game masters or dungeon guide. I'll have to get used to saying that. I'm going to have to update my lexicon. But uh, so, yeah, in general, I know the fifth ed rules fairly well. I've played a couple of campaigns. I've run three campaigns and I've just started the fourth. So if I know the answer, I'll give it to you. But if I'm not sure either, I'm just going to defer to you. We can work with that. We can work with that. Um, Yeah, cool. Uh, I think that covers that, covers that, covers that. Um, We do have a rule we have to agree on. While we're talking rules, um, I feel like, and this is what's funny, people, again, the RPG Twitter space is full of opinions, most of them negative and toxic. But one of the big ones is why would you, why use Dungeons and Dragons for so many other, um, when you're not in a a high fantasy setting? When you could use Call of Cthulhu, when you could use um, GURPS, when you can use uh, the Fate system. And I'll be honest, I kind of like, I just find Dungeons & Dragons to be the right level of rules to kind of mediate everything. But we have to talk about guns. And I do not have a strong opinion on these. So here's what I want to put on the table for y'all to figure out. And you can, you guys figure out what it is you want. We can, A, in the D&D rulebook, there are guns. They're, they're tied to proficiencies, tied to martial classes. They do about double the damage of any other ranged weapons. Which doesn't phase me terribly, because I tend to see hit points in any context within the D&D rule set as being fatigue points more than health points so they represent dodging for cover they represent having to catch your breath they represent being pushed back in a fight um so losing hit points to a gunshot doesn't mean you get hit it means you've become anxious at trying to avoid getting hit we can use the rules as written with guns being as they are statted which are about double the damage of ranged weapons but you have to track every bullet because there will be a finite number of bullets in the game. Option two. I find some time in the next week to go in and homebrew any firearms you want to start with or find by just slapping the name 1911 Springfield on a heavy crossbow. And that's what you use. If you're willing to stat it as a crossbow, I won't make you track ammo on it. Because I know with my games, I've always been able to not make people track ammo, but I also haven't given them super weapons either. So I kind of feel like that's like the balancing act. If you want to find yourselves with a really interesting club later, we can do the high damage weapons. Or we can go the other direction and we don't have to do that. But then again, you lose some of that punch factor of you lined up a shot with the Winchester and the zombie kept coming because it only took six damage. What are, I, uh, what are the table thoughts? I'm a warlock. 
which sort of, um, <laughs> one, probably wouldn't be using a gun anyway. Two, has the closest thing Magic has to a gun in his back pocket in general. And so I'm fine. Like, I think Rule is Written is fine in tracking ammo. I think the, the mounting concern of uh, limited ammo in a game that is horror-based can be very thematic. Uh, that's why a lot of horror games use limited ammunition as a mechanic, looking at you, Resident Evil. Um, <laughs> so I think that fits if you allow high-powered weaponry but include you know, a, a very scarce resource in the amount of ammo you were carrying. Because even in the 20s, while we didn't have you know a lot of rules, I doubt people were packing like ammo case after ammo case into their, into their carry-on luggage. So I think that makes sense both thematically and rules-wise. But I probably like Luis won't be carrying a firearm. It's not his not his thing. So I don't really have a, a pony in this race. <laughs> the June, you your first like concept art on Agnes had her holding a revolver. So do yeah, you have a, yeah, a, a take? Yeah, because I pictured her having a a pistol, a small pistol, like a purse pistol almost, for like self defense, just to hide amongst her person but not her main weapon uh because it's it's not very classy for a woman to uh you know go in guns a blazing but it would be like a backup thing she has if she can't get to her like other weapons that she would prefer to use if she uses a weapon at all a shovel <laughs> mm-hmm. oh that's for after the battle yeah. um I I think I think I don't know if like maybe just well Arwen I don't know if you were planning on using any firearms. I, I'm not starting anything. I'm not, I'm not starting with one. But if I picked one up along the way, I I'd, I'd take the opportunities. I I don't know how that works with my. I never. I I would have to take a look at how that works with my monk stuff, though, because I don't know. Yeah, I was gonna say like I think. Wise. I think what m might be easiest because we're not like that heavily dependent on like running guns ablazing necessarily would be the reskinning of the crossbow, but like maybe homebrew rule that if you hit an at twenty, maybe that's a headshot, and that might do some special crit damage. I'm almost always like in favor of homebrewing because I like I like simplicity. Like especially when you're in the middle of combat and if you're trying to take keep track of too many things, I'm usually in favor of okay, it's less of a punch, but it's easier for everybody to keep track of and it still works thematically and we're moving along. Like I'm always more in favor of that, but I don't have a strong opinion either way. The, the irony is, as a rules memorizer, I find homebrew is the complicated option versus going rules as written. See, I like I like knowing what the rules are, but I also like I like being able to balance. I know what the rule is, but in this point, it's going to be more complicated to play by the rules than it would be to just, nah, you know, narrative. <laughs> Makes sense. Um, yeah. So I like knowing the rules, but I also like knowing when to break or bend the rules because it's going to make things less fun or like bottleneck things yeah, that makes yeah. perfect sense so i'm good check way. really quick then I'm, I'm actually i have june's character sheet in front of me i'm gonna go into your inventory really quick so i was and gonna say like honest like i said we're not really going in guns blazing but also like 
that makes like what if we were fighting theoretical zombies and you get the 20 it makes it even more like exciting and theatrical that you Aha, i got a headshot <laughs> like yeah and i wouldn't mind keeping track of ammo because it does add to the um the atmosphere of it being a horror game so you have to be very resource managed with it And, like, Agnes wouldn't carry a bunch of ammo with her anyway. So, like... Well, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. I don't think the one that I have does too much damage anyway. Yeah, I have to double-check the, these Exandria weapons. I think those are... It's the, just the first one that popped up. Yeah, those are from the one of yeah. the UAs of, uh, I think it's Critical Role content. Yeah, yeah. Exandria's um, Critical Role. And he was yeah. really having fun with that. Um, and I think mm -hmm. if I, that was a, they imported that from Pathfinder because he was a, he was a Pathfinder gunslinger. And when they switched, to, they went on stream, they switched to D and D, and they had to import his stuff from Pathfinder. Okay, I, if the people most likely to encounter guns are cool doing the the homework, which for me, I'll just have a piece of paper around here somewhere. I'll be marking rounds and stuff. And oh, hey, that's right, you use both your shots in that. You have to take a turn to reload it. Because um, revolvers do not... Most people don't carry speed loaders for revolvers. <laughs> so, I'm not sure they were invented yet, actually. He said trying to remember his history. Um, but yeah, if we want to go that route, I'm fine with it. As long as we don't mind the little extra paperwork. I don't mind paperwork. Yeah. I'll do research. Yeah. Okay. I have one gun. I'm going to stick with one gun. <laughs> it shouldn't be too hard to track Same. ammo for the I, one gun. I don't think I'm going to be packing. Like, oh, I'm going to switch to my sniper rifle. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> See that zombie like 120 feet away? Aim. Getting that one. <laughs> the, the good news. I would be so upset. <laughs> that one on a sniper rifle. Doing like, dang, was I even looking down the scope? Like, Actually, yeah, never mind. Under those circumstances, a nat one is click, crap, it's jammed. Oh, yeah, I'd be so yeah, it's a misfire. Upset. I think. Yeah, yep. it's, it's a misfire. Like, it's a misfire. Something the goes wrong. To clear mm -hmm. the jam. Oh my god. Yeah, that happened to me once in a campaign with a with a gun. Like mm -hmm. the whole the whole gun fell apart in my hand, and I had to fix it mid combat. Oh no! Oh, no. I can only imagine having to roll to like clear the jam or like put it back together uh-uh nope yeah i nat 20 on the skill check to get it fixed quickly so that hey. was really good <laughs> nice yeah i haven't actually bought equipment yet waiting for this discussion so i'm doing that yeah that was now. a uh, that was an actually a japanese themed campaign took place during the feudal era so there were like a few guns but my character was from china which had the gunpowder so solid the guns first I know my history. I do history research. This you do. Mm -hmm. This you do. Okay, so to that end, I'm going to take a quick look in here. Um, pistol. A pistol, according to rules written, is a 1d10. Your palm pistol from Exandria is also a 1d10. A oh, 1d8. So that's a not. 1d8 plus 2. That's reasonable under the circumstances. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we can handle that. I will did figure I, out. Did I miss the, the conversation about uh, 
uh, equipment in my uh, my my Discord bandiness. I don't think we had one. We just okay. mentioned we'd have to figure out guns. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Yeah. The discussion was that we need I'm, to I'm have just a going discussion. with this starting equipment and then get yep. a hand wave some of it. Starting equipment and starting mm-hmm. equipment and anything else you think with within reason. Uh, I can look at all of your character sheets and I can very quietly edit them. And I'm, I I have an yeah. overabundance of daggers just <laughs> because that's how the game works. I don't actually plan to carry more than one. <laughs> it was just like choose a crossbow, which he's not going to carry as a 1920s thespian, or a simple weapon. Oh, I'll take a dagger. All right, as a warlock, you get simple armor and two daggers. <laughs> they could be, like, throwing knives, like, for a magician trick. I was going to say... You like, know, that's not a bad thought. Oh, there you go. Definitely. Problem solved. The, the, the lovely woman in the spinning... Yeah, I have, all I right. Definitely, like, in a... In a you, you've other sold me campaign. on his overabundance of daggers. I, I have definitely, in another campaign, stolen a... Uh, an entire bag of daggers and just kind of hoarded them and threw them as I went. <laughs> so, I mean, could be fun. Just keep them in your little void storage and then you're like, ah! I have a bag of holding, but only for daggers. Infinite daggers! No, they gotta be a void storage so that you can summon the little portal to throw them magically. <laughs> Oh, yes, because he's a magician. A magician. <laughs> there is a wondrous item in the 5th edition book called the Bracer of Daggers, where you <gasps> literally create a dagger off of it that you can then throw. Oh, I want Ooh. it. I, I want it. I, I gave it to a, a young lady that was playing in a game I ran at a community center because I needed to calm her down. So I gave her infinite throwing daggers. The catch was every time she got like off task, her bracelet would burn. And she'd start taking hit point damage. Ooh. Because she'd say, I want to go do a thing. Your bracelet starts to get hot. Oh, darn it. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> like a bark collar. <laughs> Plot collar. Plot collar. <laughs> well, I used, I, I can't, for the life of me, I can't remember her name, but she would answer to Princess Stabby Stabby. <laughs> Can you remember her? <laughs> yes. Princess Stabby Stabby. Yep, and that's then she played a rogue, and that's what she wanted to do. Um, can I stab them? No, these are the people who are telling you about the mission. Okay, so after they tell us, can I stab them? Oh my god. Well, they're gonna pay you, right? So I have to wait till we do the mission, get paid, and then I stab them. Oh my god, and then well, pay the rest of their money. So is she? Is she chaotic evil? She said she was lawful good, but I'm not sure she really understood what it meant. No. No. <laughs> no. Not how this works. That's not how that works. <laughs> not how any of this works. Oh. Oh, honey. I appreciate your enthusiasm, but no. I once played a chaotic evil child who the first thing they did was stab two other children. I'm seeing a theme, I think. On that note. <laughs> it was a very, it lasted one session. Because the DM pout out, but. Possibly because of the stabby, stabby child in his game. We were friends. That's the thing. We were friends before that happened. <laughs> were you friends after that happened? I, I feel so. like before is not. We the... haven't talked in a hot second. <laughs> it was a COVID campaign, okay? Most of my campaigns are COVID campaigns, so it's like it's forgivable. Mm-hmm. It's forgivable. How are we all doing tonight? By the way, as far as um, time and seat. 
We are at um, a little bit under an hour mark. We're about to start working on backgrounds that take a pretty, they can take a pretty good stretch of time with four of us, at the ta- four of you at the table. Um, do we need a break or should we plow on in? I generally will need a break about once every hour to stretch out because I am prone to blood clots. Oh. Mm. Okay. In that case, we are going to take that five minute stretch break. <laughs> Um, because I, I, the last thing, well, I mean, it would be interesting for ratings, but, uh, we would prefer not to have any strokes on stream. Um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, loot. There you go. Um, it's still the same code I had up this morning. If you've already redeemed it. Uh, but I will take a second before we take our break to mention that the, um, the stream loot cards will be starting. You can redeem them anytime I'm on. But they really only do anything during D&D games. And you can get them from the link that's posted in the chat. I usually have a coupon so that every couple weeks we offer everyone that comes around a free pack of three. Um, And you can support the stream by buying more packs, which lets you uh, do more rerolls, give the PCs advantage, give the NPCs advantage. My personal favorite, max damage. Um, Because, yes, that's the thing. Somebody can throw down a card while you're playing. And uh, we have love. Thank you. Um, and um, yeah, they can throw in a card that says, okay, the NPC's next hit will be max damage. Nice. Um, and it gives Chad a chance to kind of like really get into it because then they can start to time those cards. Don't waste on the zombie. Wait till Strahd shows up. Yes. It was hidden by the... Oh, no. Oh, you're right. Eep. You're right. Let me fix that. Okay. Programming note. Thank you for that. I will fix it. In fact, I will return that card to you while we're on break. Speaking of which, while we're on break, you do have homework for the next three minutes. Who knows who? Before you step on the plane in London. So if you remember the premise, there is an expedition in Cairo that all four of you are joining. Now, there are others on the expedition. You are not the whole of it. There's going to be about uh, 10 or so academics and adventurers signed on in London to fly there. So you've all arrived in London. You'll then fly to Amsterdam. You'll then fly to Bucharest. And then from there, you'll, you'll fly yet again to Cairo. So when you board in London, who already has a little bit of a history and who doesn't? And so muse on that while you're on break. I will tweak a few things here. We'll meet back here in four minutes. If you're watching us and you're subscribed, enjoy the clips. If you're not subscribed, I apologize for a quick ad so we can turn off the pre-rolls. We'll see y'all back here in three to five. And there we are back. Okay. Okay, so backgrounds. Let's talk. Who knows whom? Well, I probably wouldn't have gotten out much, but if I was in New York, I think I definitely would have heard of Luis. He has probably a lot of local notoriety and probably some rumors and probably like, I don't know what's true and what's not. This like kind of like meeting a local celebrity and being like, I've heard about you. What's all that about? Well, you've had time. Everyone will have had time in London to at least known something about everyone. That's okay. the bare minimum. 
The question more is the, have you had time to have any interactions with them? Okay. Before you gotcha. arrived. Although, again, I think it's very possible for um, Amy and Louise to have had some contacts. Perhaps benefit, you know, the family <laughs> has been a beneficiary of the theater. That kind of that a background. That definitely checks out. Sure. You can work with that. Okay. I'll make a quick note of that. Anybody else have thoughts? Yeah. Uh, Darling is from London as well, right? No, she's from the Philippines, but she oh. moved to New York. Is everyone from New York? <laughs> I, look, I actually was like, I saw, I, I was like, is there a pattern we're supposed to be following? And I looked at everybody else's thing and I was like, I guess I got to go to New York. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just thought it, I... I'm from San Francisco, but I thought it like might be interesting if maybe Amy was in town the same time all of Louise's stuff. Like I was thinking about that. I was thinking, oh, if they were like kind of near the same place, maybe she would have heard of him. So that that was in the back of my mind. And it was easier to do that than think of a reason she would have been in London. Mm -hmm. But I was going to say, maybe maybe Darling was has stopped in London before on the way possibility that she knows where the money is yeah I could have used a bodyguard at some point in my travels <laughs> may, ha may have worked for her father at some point mm -hmm. yeah I like that family ties yeah okay so we have two knowns and two unknowns that works perfectly fine for these um, now, Arwen's gone through this before, so she has the pleasure of going first. Um, oh, for those that haven't, um, I should make a mark or two of this so that I can come back and find this later. Because I, I firmly believe that this book, I have more than gotten my, my fair share out of in never running a game of it. Simply... I bought the book after we did Session Zero from Dragonite. So I was like, I'm getting that book. Mm-hmm. It's um it is an incredibly fun rules light RPG. It's designed to it's basically Stranger Things, the RPG. But one of the biggest things that they do with it, and this is just me talking about how great Kids on Bikes is as a system, um, is that the DM is supposed to arrive with minimal prep. Because during your session zero and most of session one, the players write the game. So it's a lot of that, like, what kind of story do you want to tell while we're doing this? You can decide what hatches out of the egg and how you're going to deal with it. Rather than having me decide it. Yeah, you found an egg, but now what? So, but they give us these great backgrounds to get everything off and running to start the game up. Which is two-thirds of the fun. Now, if I could just figure out where I set that D20. Because I actually took out a D20, so I'd be ready to do this. And it's a gorgeous D20. It's my new D20 I got from... One of my player's husbands who custom made it. Ooh. So this is not a good day to have lost on my table somewhere. <laughs> I hope I put it back in the bag. I'm going to look really quick to make sure I'm, I should not be panicked. Oh, I did put it back in the bag. Because <sighs> <laughs> well, he was really cool. He included, he included two D10s and two D20s. Ooh. Ooh. So it's definitely like in that realm of like he's he's thinking ahead, so you can you know roll with advantage and stuff. But how many d sixes? Yeah. Uh, just the one. Yeah, I know it's, yeah. it sucks if you play a wizard. 
I'm a firm believer that all dice sets should have 4d6s in them, and nobody ever does that. It's either three or one. I can see that. I like 66. I bought uh, just because I like the number six. This is also why you'll never see a nine sided die in there. <laughs> I have a fireball set that is eight matching fire themed. Yeah. Nice. I have one set. That's okay. And they're a metal black and gold dice. Ooh, metal dice. Nice. I have a lot of sets of dice that I have never used in an in a real life campaign. I just collect them because they're shiny and make click clack noise. Click clack noise. Yes. Uh, the dice rocks. goblin. Yes. Actually, yeah. I am my, a dice uh, goblin. My boyfriend kind of dabbles in uh, woodwork, and I told him I looked up this thing on Etsy that I wanted, and it was like a dice box. Um, that had like compartments and you can roll in the dice box. Huh? And, uh, but it looked like a book, like a big Ooh. book. Oh, and I see. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, yeah, I think I've seen those. So he made me one custom. Oh. Ooh. Nice. That's and so fun. Chunky. And it has like a little latch thingy and with the leather piece. And that's all my dice in there. Oh, Very nice. Cute. Nice. I have to my dice. Every dice set that I have collected since my original sets were stolen. Oh, no. Ooh. Oh, that's yes. rough. I had a, a bag of D&D stuff stolen out of my car, which included oh. the first dice set I ever got. Oh. Rude. Oh. Hurt, hurt to lose. Plus several other dice sets I collected to that point. Oh, that no. Hurts. That's a tragedy right there. Yep. Can that we get is. an F in the chat? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that hurts. That hurts. Okay, so to kick off our round of filling in the table, Arwen, a question for, for Miss St. Clair. Um, what is Louise doing to protect her? Ooh. You See, didn't this, know? This is, like, this is like my least favorite part because I have to think. Yep. Oh, You're no, brain think. juice. Yep. Oh no. And you have to assign something to him now. He is Luis is protecting Amy on some level. Think and it's gonna have consequences. Um okay, so hmm. Amy Amy is so Amy is very sensitive to insults. Um, anything that sat, that carries a whiff of insult and she's going to be, she's going to get up in people's faces. So maybe Luis recognizes when a situation is going to get heated and distracts her somehow and kind of like, um, I don't know, finds something in, you know, oh, squirrel over here and kind of just gets her out of that situation when he's, he's can tell, uh oh, this is, this is gonna, this is not gonna go well. That That's a useful requirement to assign to the guy with, you know, prestidigitation and management. <laughs> mm -hmm. Look, gold squirrel. <laughs> now on the flip side of that, what does Amy do intentionally that annoys Louise? Okay, I feel like I got this these same two questions last time because I remember answering them about Drumir. Um, 
she definitely critiques his fashion sense. <laughs> You're really gonna put those socks together? Did you? Oh, sorry. Did did you did 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 you not know how your shirt was not buttoned right? It, like, he's he's a little from his character art. He's a little eccentric, and she doesn't care, but she knows it bugs him if she just kind of like you know you've got this very curated look, and someone comes in and is like, oh, I love the kids' party look. You've got rockin'. She's just kind of like, <laughs> not maliciously, but like. Yeah. <laughs> personally attacked. <laughs> That's a very bold I, choice. Not not many people would think to combine orange and green that way. And that's like I'm I'm proud of your courage. <laughs> she's the, best the, part she's of the this master is... of the under like the backhanded fashion compliment. <laughs> because she both she both knows fashion from being in a wealthy family, but she doesn't really like it. So she just kind of like pokes fun at it. The, the best part of this is after two attempts to correct the drift in the character art, I just gave up. <laughs> that is not at all the outfit he's supposed to be wearing. I just stopped trying to get it corrected. <laughs> that's a, wears, that's a bold move there. Jodpers, not an inexplicable tunic with a tie. <laughs> I just gave up. I was like, fine, tunic with a tie. We're going with it. It's It ended up being kind of jackety. Ish. Yeah, yeah, he no longer looks like a purple medieval peasant, which is what he started as. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I tried. And no, I no tried. flame if the artist happens to be nearby. Because the art, I like, I don't dislike the art, but it is not the outfit I had in mind. <laughs> I tried. I tried. No, I understand. It was, I've, it, I've commissioned art before. It was a battle to get those gloves on our uh, barbarian to not go up to our elbows. <laughs> no, I, you pick your battles. I've been there. <laughs> okay, now here's the good news. I'm going to let you go next. Yay! Wait, that's good news? Yep. <laughs> because you get to throw something back at Amy. Uh... So, the first question. Um, what about this character makes you, makes you happy? About Amy? So, what about Amelie St. Clair? Amelie. Does, does Luis find fun and pleasant? And positive to be around. Hmm. About the girl who likes to make fun of my outfits. Yeah. You still enjoy her company. Why? It's, it's an excellent question. Uh, let me think. Let me think. She is from a background that understands the theater. And as a thespian who got his who got his start in New York theater scene and, you know, is on this expedition in no small part through the contacts he made. It's nice to have someone who understands why he's here, because amongst scholars and, and adventurers, he's the actor who's on the plane for some reason. And it's nice to have at least one person to be aware of, you know, his his skills and his standing in theatrical society. Theater would probably be like the, I was thinking about this, would probably be the only, like the only perk of her life or lifestyle that she legitimately enjoyed. Sure. Partially because escapism. Yes. Okay. This is a hard one now. Oh, th this is the hard one. Oh, good. Oh, wait, you know, uh, you know, what? you've, you've been beat up enough. Let me find a better one. 
because these are all the 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 bads are bad. Um, and I don't want to say we we want to keep this balanced, um, a little bit. Um, what, what? Hmm, okay, no easy outs on this. What did Amelie do in the past that Luis still uh, resents her for? She did something really, like, just still pisses you off a little bit. So we're assuming her family has financial backing ties to the New York theater scene. We've, we've kind of established that so far. Yes. Okay. Shortly after the collapse of the emperor in Ochre, she suggested that investing in his next performance might be a bad idea and a bad financial investment. Oh no. To oh, her father. No. Oh no. And nearly cost him his debut role. Harsh. Okay. You don't talk about it anymore much. Or if she did, she's forgotten. She never brings it up. It was probably like a throwaway comment. And then didn't like it had consequence almost had really bad consequences yeah that works i like it that works hey june how you doing hi are you ready sure all right let's talk about uh the, that relationship between agnes and darlene mm -hmm. um why does agnes care more about darlene than she cares about her cares about herself then no then she cares about you oh so why does agnes care more about darling than darling cares about agnes um hmm. Hmm. agnes sees darling as a real person and that is not something she can say about a lot of people her mother and her father are among the two people she can really connect with as real people. So she values and cares for Darling because Darling has gotten into that sort of higher echelon of a person to her. Yay. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> I care if you get hurt. <laughs> On the other hand, too easy with a barbarian. <laughs> okay. Assume Darlene does something to upset or offend Agnes. What would she have to do to get forgiveness? Oh. oh, forgiveness is a hard thing. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> but it's particular like, to I... this character. Yeah. 
That's the twist. Is like, what's special? Like, for, for, in particular for Darling, is it more than normal person would? They have to do a great length? Or is it one of those like, oh, well, it's Darling. I can let almost anything slide. See, with, with Agnes, it's like, you cross her, you're on her blacklist forever. She does not forgive. She's like, I don't got time for that. Let's move on. Okay. But because it's Darling she would give her a second chance to redeem herself, but I don't think even she knows what would get forgiveness. What would, you know, I guess she has the chance of forgiveness rather than outright no forgiveness. Okay. Even if she's not sure um, how that forgiveness can be earned. All right, got that down. Okay. Great vagueness. <laughs> <laughs> now comes the bad news. Oh, boy. Uh, but on your point of view, because now you get to do this to her. I think it's bad news. I'm excited. It's not you, vague. You get, you it's up for interpretation. Do it yeah. to her. Yeah. Here we go. Up recently. Oh, okay. What item has Agnes given to Darlene that Darlene treasures? Her pistol. Not like the one she's like that 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 Agnes is carrying, but she's given her her own, and that's the only gun she'll ever use if she uses it. Because I got these guns. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Is there a story about how this gun was traded off, or is that just what, um, what we're, we're going with right now? I feel like I feel like there's more you want to tell us. I want to say it was probably like a like, not even maybe just Agnes, but like a like a thing that her parents and Agnes picked out specifically for Darling because she helps with the like she's helped her father. Um, and now is like moving on to help Agnes. Okay. Just I just see the gun having like some ornate kind of detailing that's very personalized to you, like oh. on the handle. Yeah. Put put a little initials on there too. Mm -hmm. Like on the hilt. Mm hmm. Now on the other hand, what did Agnes do that Darlene still harbors resentment for? Damn. Um, <laughs> something. Something's gotten under her skin. She's still like... Oh, I want to say there was a situation of doubt where Agnes thought that Darling couldn't protect either her or her father. Okay. Whether it was on <clears throat> Agnes's first expedition on her own, and her father hired Darling to go with her, Agnes didn't believe that Darling could do it for whatever reason. Maybe she was just too scared or like nervous about what she was doing. 
but Darling was okay. like, gang, no trust. <laughs> no trust. That's not good. That's not good. That's bad. And and indeed, <laughs> welcome, uh, Kidley, and everyone from your channel for coming on over and joining us tonight as we're launching Ravenloft 1921, a uh, pre-modern uh, Dungeons & Dragons game, would you believe? Um, and we are currently doing our session zero. So when we started off, we were doing our safety talk. We were talking red flags. We did a little bit of rule agreements. And now we're doing uh, the kids on bikes backgrounds where the characters are getting to kind of like, this is the fun part because you don't describe your character. You describe everybody else's character. And they just have to accept what you tell them. Sort of. I mean, there's a, there's an implied, I don't think so, Jim. But so far, it's been kind of good. <laughs> No, no one seemed to have had that look in their eye of, like, yellow. So we've been able to kind of roll with that. Um, and I, for this, I used the, the Kids on Bikes uh, rule set, where they have these really great background questions that we get to ask. And so we've just completed going through the characters who know each other uh, versus those that don't. Um, although I guess I should probably put these in the right not sponsored. Nah, I'm not. I kind of wish I was. But um, I should put this in the right box, though. Hear that, so Kids that's... on Bikes? Yeah, Kids well, on Bikes, yeah. if you're watching this stream, sponsor. To <laughs> Tag Kids on Bikes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, okay, let me, quick uh, note-taking issue there. Make sure that's in the right spot. And so that's from Darlene to Agnes. We did from Agnes to Darlene. So let me fix that because I put it in the wrong box again. And then we're going to back, get back on with this. And the way this works is I'm, I basically just roll randomly to see what kind of question comes up and they have to answer it. So continuing with our story, we've done one round of everyone who knows each other. Now we get to start doing the ones of people who don't know each other. And for that, we're going to bounce over to Outer Dork. We're going to talk about Louis and what uh, Luis and what he has heard about this Agnes character. Having landed in London, you've had a chance to kind of get to know the other people on the expedition. Um, and in particular, <clears throat> what volunteer work have you heard that Miss Devereaux has engaged in? Hmm. I'm uh, given our previous conversation. I'm tempted to say something about an orphanage, <laughs> <laughs> but I think that might be a little too mean. Um, uh, th 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 let's be honest. She doesn't hate children. She just doesn't care very much. <laughs> right. There's nothing. If you want to say you have heard that she volunteers in an orphanage, that, in my opinion, because that means every time she seems completely disconnected from the harm to children, you can go wait. Didn't she volunteer? At yeah, St. Actually, Catherine's yeah, we'll, we'll Orphanage in London? Oh, my gosh. Have you ever worked at a school? Like, there are a lot of people working in schools that don't care for children. <laughs> I have I have never worked at a school, actually. It's kind but... of a thing. I have been yeah. to a school, and I have experienced that. So that that, actually, that checks out. Okay. All right, we'll go with that, then. We'll stick with it. I enjoy children, but I there are a lot of people that I'm like, why are you here? <laughs> I ask myself that every Monday. <laughs> Okay, so we hop over to June, and June, you are going to answer this question for about uh, what you've heard about Miss Amelie St. Clair. 
She's arrived in London not too long ago. You've heard a bit of her background with the as being, I guess, an, an American aristocrat. Um, but in particular, oh dear. <laughs> I love the oh dear. Well, this this is this is adding some immediate tension to the table. Okay. What does Agnes hope to gain by humiliating Amelie? <gasps> oh. oh. Oh no. Oh. oh. So that's oh, no. that's a, that, that'll tell us a lot about both characters. There's something that um, she can hope to get out of this if she pull if if she can put herself above. Okay. So I want to humiliate her uh, for her continued support of magicians. And people who practice, you know, the sort of uh, occult arts. Shots fired. Because <laughs> she doesn't understand the appeal and is science above all. Logic, science above all. Magic makes no sense. She wants to make herself intellectually superior to Amelie by uh, proving to her and uh, without a shadow of doubt that magic isn't real and uh, <laughs> um, you and know. so stage magicians are like the ultimate charlatans oh yeah 100% them and like um, mediums them and mediums oh yes mediums are definitely charlatans oh yeah um, yeah she hates mediums above magicians but not by much <laughs> the glass not orb over the shoulder and... <laughs> yeah Which, so to, to stay if i can add on to that the the yes and mm -hmm. um theaters could also be one of those even if we like layer the magician side it also becomes a the whole concept of, of the theater becomes like the arts are a waste of money it's about it's about the science of it. it. Why are why do we have art museums where we can look at stuff on paintings and we need more places to showcase the artifacts that we have brought back to London from these these tombs throughout Egypt? At this point, this See, is becoming like a, a belief war, an internal <laughs> conflict because it's like like science and muscle versus magic and theater. Well. <laughs> I think for her, there's a difference between magic and theater because theater in itself is the storytelling technique used throughout history. And art is a way to document history and the human experience and therefore is somewhat part of science. It's a different. Okay. So she's a little so, conflicted in her distrust then because there's like, he, yeah. he's a theater guy. So. But he's a magician and magicians, <laughs> magic isn't. Magic's not real, though. Magic's the not real. Blast is particularly sparkly. <laughs> <laughs> His Eldritch Blast manifests as two rapidly flying doves. Oh my god! <laughs> oh man! <laughs> they come out of sleeves. Oh no! Uh, oh, there's nothing up the sleeves. His familiar, his familiar is a rabbit that he pulls out the back of his collar. Because he doesn't have a hat. <laughs> he very intentionally doesn't have a hat, actually. He's not that kind of magician. No wand, either. 
bring this to but a crystal ball. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. His Much. Eldritch Blast is a stream of very sharp playing cards just shooting out of his, <laughs> out of his, his collars. Okay, so we go there. That takes us now over to here. So this is from uh, Amy. So this is for Arwen about Darling. And in particular, why was your only brief interaction with her so positive? The the one time that Darlene and and, and Amelie have crossed paths was like a great experience. What happened? So I feel like, so Amelie, she looks she looks prissy. She looks like somebody who has had everything handed to her and couldn't fight her way out of a paper bag. So I think maybe they crossed paths somewhere in the street or, um, and maybe um, Darling made a little bit of a snide cut. Maybe like, we like bumped into each other and um, Darling made kind of a snide throwaway comment and Amelie turned around with her fist out and they had like a little, you know, one, two punches thrown, crowd separates and kind of like, okay, mutual respect. If I see you again in a dark alley, I'm going to beat the crap out of you. And then went their separate ways. Like, um, <laughs> uh, you know, look at the princess. What did you say to me? Boom, boom. Okay, let's 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 break it up. Okay, you 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 know what you're doing, but don't cross me again. Go separate ways. But it was kind of like, okay, I, I can I can res I, I respect that. And don't want to break your nice high cheekbones. <laughs> something like that. Don't want to break a fingernail. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll break my fingernails on your face and mm -hmm. kind of this little. Yeah, okay. You're you're okay. Your sharp cheekbones will uh, <laughs> cut her hand as she strikes at you. There you go. <laughs> okay, returning the favor. Um, oh, that's too dark at this stage. Aww. <laughs> okay, nope, it's not. Oh, okay. What do you hope to learn? What does Darlene hope to learn about Amelie, this scrapper that she has some begrudging respect for, in order to manipulate her? the specific like line or path of insults that will get her mad enough for her to become more of a scrapper herself instead of just looking like a little prissy pants. <laughs> so like, we're against a horde of zombies. We run out of bullets. All right, how, how mad do I have to get you before you join me at the front and start throwing hands? <laughs> and so this will be through trial and error, I assume. Oh yeah. Oh boy. really kick in monk of destruction i would like to make an investigation check to see what i can throw at darling <laughs> did <laughs> your mom pick your haircut <laughs> okay so from... take off your shoe chuck that <laughs> pretty much okay we're back up to dork um you get to <clears throat> share something about uh darling as well at this point Okay. Uh, in particular, again, 
you've been around London a little bit before you 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 embarked for Amsterdam. Um. Uh. No. Doesn't work. Let's see. What strange record does Darlene hold around town? They're already talking about this this scrappy little little girl from the Philippines that has done blah to which most of the guys are like oh, that's I think that's the most we've ever heard of. I am pretty sure I heard she drank an entire bar under the table. Yes. <laughs> nice. Has a record for the most Irish whiskey drunk whilst whilst still able to ramble off Ratlinbach. Perfect. The Irish sobriety test. <laughs> uh let's see. Um Arwood, let's talk uh oh no no wait wait, I'm sorry. June, let's talk about um Amelie from uh, Agnes's point of view. Wait. From. I was going to say, they did. They already did that. that. I have them in the wrong box. So. Let me move that to the right box. Yep. Uh, blink. I usually am pretty good about keeping these organized. So that means I have to go the other direction, right? Yeah, um, to Luis, I think. Okay, so we've done that. Hold on, I'm losing track of what I wrote down. I don't think we've had... Um, hey, Shadow. We've had... I don't think we've had... We've heard from Agnes's view of Luis. No, have not we? yet. We should do that. I mean, by proxy, we kind of have. We kind of have, was, yes. Yeah, there, was, kinda there have. was a tangential slashing. There was an indirect attack. Collateral damage. Yeah. yeah of opportunity <laughs> he moved through the square it was, uh, yeah it was my second attack <laughs> what know, did i do? my bonus action attack <laughs> second wind we're not doing that we're not doing that it was my sneak attack damage <laughs> that's already come up okay you know what we're gonna do that one um because we're gonna make you admit it oh, but yeah. agnes has heard that lewis does have a has already picked up a habit or a, a reputation for a particular charming habit that everyone in, around at least the area that you've been staying um, in London talks about. So, what charming habit is Luis known for throughout the parts of London that he's already had time to be be known, or that you've heard from family that ha that live in New York? You can go either direction. What charming little charming. habit does he have? It's a lot harder to be nice, yeah. isn't it? I'm just trying. Hmm. He has a he has a habit um, of using his sleight of hand tricks, not magic. To um, make little flowers appear behind the ears, like the coin trick, of children, of 
strangers on the streets to brighten their day. That's cute. And it's just the little flower that he thinks suits them the best. So it's different for every person. Okay, I'm endeared. That works. Can you imagine him pulling a cactus out? (laughs) (laughs) Little cactus. (laughs) Venus flytrap. That's an awkward moment for that one kid. Oh, look, a daisy. Oh, look, a rose. Oh, look, oh. Well, um, the good news is you don't need to water it much. (laughs) A little cactus has a little flower on top. It's just Lewis's, like, social commentary, and everybody's like, oh, that's so sweet. It's like, yeah, this flower means death. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Literally a black rose, like. Mm. Imagine giving someone a carnation. Oh. Sir. (laughs) <laughs> just... Or a spider have lily. Okay, so from I Amelie... know flower language-ish. From Amelie back to Agnes. What terrible loss has she suffered? There is an in-canon action answer to that, actually. So Arwen gets to just assign something fun to, to Agnes's character. Okay. Some terrible loss. She has lost her sense in the ability to believe in magic. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> no. <I'm... laughs> or like, I don't believe in fairies. <laughs> <laughs> Shut your face. <laughs> Going to give her the um... doubting Thomas where she has to deny even like obvious signs of the supernatural. She would, though. She would. <laughs> If you want to go there, you can go there. I feel it's a little bit of a cop out, but I I will allow so, it okay. under the are, circumstances. Are you, are you talking about like like a person? Whatever you like want to a... do with it. It just said the, the question literally just says, "What terrible loss did this character suffer?" So you have the opportunity now to kind of like assign some trauma to to dear Agnes. Hmm, that's a lot of power. Do it. Um, <laughs> do it. I really like not to do a cop out, but I really want to tie it back to the theater thing because that's important to Amelie. And if June is let, like, I want there to be something, some connection there, like a reason she hates the theater that is not just the surface reason. So. Maybe someone she she loved, like a, a beloved, her grandmother, her grandmother died of a heart attack during a particularly exciting theater. Like there was a, an, a, an exciting theater, maybe a magic show or like a, a play and something. And her grandma just had it, like had a heart attack and died. And because of this, June hates the theater, hates magic, has anything to do with it. And but it's because it's because you know it's it there's no meaning to it it's you know it's silly it's frivolous um i'm better than that and because that's so important to amelie she's like you know it's really sad that you allowed that that like that trauma has made you hate everything to do with 
this thing that is very important to me and I love. I love that. Thank you. <laughs> Magic is charlatanism. No, it's because your grandma died. <laughs> <laughs> like a who hurt you kind of thing, but there actually was. There was some legit trauma that happened. Okay, yeah. and now, Dadapon, you've got the last of these. We get to find out a little bit about Darlene and Louise. <laughs> Okay. How far would you go to get to know this character and why? How far does how far is Darling willing to go to get to know Luis? And uh, what about him makes her go, yeah, I want to get to know this guy. At, she at whatever wants, level that is. She wants to get to know him because the whole muscle versus magic argument. And she needs to know how she can literally like physically beat like magic like do i just like can is it is it possible possible for me to punch through an eldritch blast like teach me the ways so yeah totally selfish reasons but you know he's the, he's he's the closest current key for her to be able to be stronger essentially and be more marketable <laughs> Okay, and that wraps up the background questions. Woo! Um, I'll slide that book over there. Now, this actually is a really great way for us to bridge into a little bit of world building. Uh, before we board that um, that plane and and set you into it, um, where are we at? We're at nine o'clock. Mm, no, I didn't prep for that. I don't want to do that tonight. We didn't we didn't turn out enough things to do that. Um This is a Lovecraftian inspired uh film noir setting with where there is magic, as we have a warlock character. Um with a a fairly interesting background as to how they ended up selling their soul for magic. Um as it kind of makes some sense. But to recall, magic itself is in that same 1920s film noir. No one really thinks it's real because it can't be. Like, you all know that Luis is here more as an actor than an expert on the occult, which is also why, like on his profile, it even has occult in quotes. Because while some people will say, well, yes, this is our, our cult expert. Everyone's like, doesn't that just mean he reads hieroglyphics? Like... The, there aren't real curses, are there? Which creates some fun twists, because if Darling is of the opinion that, like, hey, maybe there is something to the occult, that says a lot. That shows a very open mind, and we definitely have at least one person who's like, yeah, there's no such thing as the occult. Everything has a rational explanation. Well, I was going to say, like, even <clears throat> for, like, not necessarily magic and as if actual... Filipino person playing a Filipino character. The Filipinos are very superstitious. <laughs> like we've got like monsters like that'll haunt you if you go outside in the middle of the night. So like and in, in other parts of the world, it's just called a centaur. <laughs> but for us it's like horrifying. Like he's gonna kidnap your kids if you let them out in the middle of the night. Yep. 
Well, yeah, so. and, and the Irish have a long tradition of um, believing in fairies. Mm. I think Which, it's the um, the Kelpie, I think, is the one I'm thinking of. Yeah. That transforms into a person and uh, lures you to the lake so it can drown you. Yep. That's the one? Okay. Yep, Kelpies are, yep, those are, those are like mermaids, but they're more seaweedy. Mm-hmm. And their water form, I think, is a horse. Oh. Or they're a horse, I think. That oh, that's a Kelpie, isn't it? Yeah, that is a Kelpie. That's what I'm talking about. They're a yeah. horse. Yep. Oh, yeah, I remember. The... They're a beautiful horse. You touch them because they're so pretty. Your hand sticks to them and they walk you to the water and drown you that way. Sounds legit. Remember the legend. I remembered. <laughs> yeah. Don't touch pretty horses, guys. <laughs> You'll drown. Yeah, tell that to my Wednesday night game. Oh, dear. Oh, yeah, I had the... I had Did the, I give okay. you ammo? I, no, okay. So, like, all right. So, we're... They're level one. Okay, level one. And they're going through town, and a troop of Imperial Dragoons ride in on celestial horses in bright uniforms with big plumed hats and swords and, like, we own this place attitude. And all four of them go, a celestial horse with a magic saddle? We need to steal one. Oh, my God. Well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> oh, no. I'm like, what, 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 level one. Like, yes, but horse. <laughs> yes, but I completely horse. understand that. <laughs> yes, but horse. Yes, but horse. I'm like, oh my gosh. And then they did. Oh no. They did. Good they, for all, them. they all. They didn't die. <laughs> they didn't have to completely reroll the entire party. There, there were some interesting consequences. Um, the line, "We will find the stolen saddle if we have to burn down every building in this godforsaken town." In the process, was possibly uttered by the head of the dragoons. Oh dear! It so, also put the entire party versus the dragoons in like a very interesting crash course that has never altered. Yeah, mm. yeah. There's, they, it's like every time they start to like the empire, something happens. They're like, "Oh, we hate them again." I'm like, "You, you hate them?" Okay, all right. I'm not worried. That'll be fine. Uh, which, by the way, if you're chilling out with us tonight and you're not completely sure what I'm talking about, um, I would encourage you to check out. This should give you all kinds of good links. Um, if you hit those, there's the YouTube channel where all of the games from the Convergence are posted. Uh, you can also hop over to the Patreon where all of the games are slowly being rolled out in podcast form. And Patreons get early access. You get them as soon as I'm done mastering them. Everybody else has to wait about a week. So um, that's another way you can get it um, and follow up on those. And if you search on a podcast platform for Lantern Noir Presents, you will also get the entire catalog of episodes for The Convergence, for Dragon Waterdeep Dragon Heist, for The Bitter Victory, and starting next week, Ravenloft 1921, on that podcast platform of choice, but you do have to wait because I do, as a thank you to the Patreons, give them first crack at it. So there'll be about a week delay once we get caught up on the back catalog. I had about two months worth of podcasts I mastered and posted. I take the back six months worth of podcasts, but they took two (laughs) months to roll out one per day to get us caught up. That was my midwinter break was just downloading videos and crunching out MP3s. Oh boy. (laughs) It it was not the midwinter break I had planned. <laughs> oh no! But it's there now, and it's ready to rock and roll. 
Um, speaking of, I do think we are in um, in a position to lay some foundation. Uh, the game was originally called Ravenloft 1918 because I loved the sound of it. And I was talking to Mrs. Noir, and I was like, "Here's what we're gonna do." And they're gonna there's gonna be a plane, and they're gonna get on. She's like, "Well, were there planes in 1918?" <laughs> and I said, "Yes, yes, there were." And then then I I, I looked. And I researched. I pulled up the good old Google. Okay, but would anybody have? Would anybody have argued with you? Because I definitely wouldn't have. (laughs) Yeah, could have been a steamboat. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So that that kind of like it. It turns out passenger air travel really didn't start to get moving until you you turn into the twenties. Alternate timeline. That's the rebrand. Uh, to Ravenloft nineteen twenty one. Uh, the expedition is chartering two aircraft to take them uh, to Cairo. You board it. All four of you will board in London. You've had a chance to get to know each other. You've seen the London sights. Uh, you've imbibed your fair share of alcohol from throughout the United Kingdom. <laughs> As we are well into the 20s, um, there definitely is a strong belief that anything that is found in Egypt must be returned if it is of value to the Royal Museum in London, as that's what you do with things found within the British Empire. And you've all reconciled yourself to this on some level. Maybe there's a little bit of a, well, I'll scroll this away and maybe slip it off to somebody in Cairo if I get a chance. Or a little bit of a, well, you know, they're paying me to do it. I don't really care where it lands. As long as they just don't eat the mummies or something weird like that. Like we used to do. (laughs) That's why we have so few mummies now. Yeah. Mm -mm. We ate them all. Mm-mm. She ain't lying. <laughs> yeah, the, the Victorians were gross. It was supposed to be good yeah. for your skin. Uh-uh. Yeah. uh-uh. There was a makeup <laughs> called Mummy Brown. The same way that eyeshadow, I think. Like, or, or like the vampires say that it all started with somebody bathing in blood to think to hold their youth. No, thanks. I'm okay. Youth ain't worth it. It's not mm-hmm. worth it. Trust me. If I can't smell it, I can't imbibe it. <laughs> nope. <laughs> it's not going down the hatch whatsoever. The flight to Amsterdam, uneventful. Planes are refueled. Things are resupplied. A few more members join the company. Um, one very sharply dressed German woman uh, clams on, you know, interacts with you briefly at the airport before she boards the other plane. Uh, the flight, on the other hand, from Amsterdam to Bucharest is where things start to get interesting. And your planes are going to find themselves losing sight of each other in the skies. Oh, no. Uh, the clouds begin to thicken. The wind will begin to buffet the plane. Uh, if any of you had a religion before this, it's either going to be much more strong or much less. It depends on the way you go with it. Um... But eventually, the plane will crash. Dun, dun, dun. The good news is, five of you have survived. On a random mountainside somewhere in Eastern Europe. The first question is, who's the fifth survivor? And that is not a DM, like, hook. That's legit. Okay, you four. Who is the fifth survivor? What's, what's, the, what's the equivalent of, like, um, 
like our cartographer, but like our cartographer is naturally good with lay of land, I think. Somebody with survival skills. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Another person with survival skills, just in case. Listen, listen, redundancies are important. <laughs> okay. So we've got someone with some survival skills. Knows their way. Where we're going. Where did we land? Where are we? <laughs> and if we uh, get someone possibly, that just says we're in the middle of a forest, I'll be very upset. I was going to say, possibly we kept one of our, like, survival guides, but they are probably very good at surviving in, you know, the desert. And we have crashed in the mountains in Eastern Europe. Mm-hmm. Hear me out. A mechanic. <laughs> Fix the plane. <laughs> yeah, be on a or turn the plane it. into a vehicle that we can ride down the mountain. <laughs> Two-wheeled vehicle. Yeah. Okay, we can work Two. with that. The mechanic who has some survival skills. Um, what's their nationality? Maybe somebody who speaks a local language. So they, I, oh, I had a goblin. I had we a question about languages. Yeah, <laughs> that we were gonna, we were maybe gonna Ooh. talk about because my. Oh yeah. I get, we weren't sure. I wasn't sure what to do about like D and D languages or. Okay, well, Elvish is French. Mm-hmm. Uh, dwarves speak Scottish. I, I always put them down as German. I never know why. <laughs> okay, that'll work. Uh, kind of my take <laughs> on it is just somewhere on the notes for your character sheet, if you have X languages, just put down X modern languages. Or okay. or historic languages, if you would prefer. I mm-hmm. really don't care. Are, are we being Already imperialist done. and assuming that common is English? We are going to be imperialist and assume common is English. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and And to be fair, even in the 20s, English was still pretty prevalent. Plus, it made sense all of you ended up coming through that direction. Now, I do think Darlene is the most likely person to have other languages in her wheelhouse. <coughs> Having had English as a second language, that's, which doesn't comment on her fluency, but it definitely comments on, like, it's already bridged that first gap of, oh, yeah, I'm used to learning stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, I I'm also have the linguist feet. <laughs> so you know lots oh, of languages. I do. So I if anyone have them written down. <laughs> besides me has goblin, what did you pick? So we, we're in theory equal. So I have abyssal, common, dwarvish, elvish, sylvian, and then thieves can't. Um, and I equated them to English, French, German, uh, Latin, and then Arabic slash ancient Egyptian. Okay. Because I, I felt those worked with the character and her background. Now are you keeping thieves can't? I use it more as like how she takes her notes because I, I, I'm a rogue. And so that's how I kind of have it. So somewhere in your studies, you picked up all those little like half phrases that mm-hmm. people use that mean totally different things. And that's how you take your notes. Shorthand. Yeah. Your shorthand is the kind of thing that someone from like the, the, the South side of London would go, ah, so you're looking for a place to like rent a cab. Got it. Even though you said something like, I need I need to pick up my sister at the wheel. Yeah. Or <laughs> or like, um, oh gosh, what did they say? I need to see a man about a dog. Yeah. So we're in Barney. Noted. 
What? <laughs> Barney Rebel? Trouble? <laughs> Cockney slang is pretty like, much all rhyming slang. I, I literally just saw somebody say that on a comment thread the other day and mm-hmm. thought that was pretty great. That's from uh, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, I think. It's not uncommon. I'm not good at it. Nor am I. That's yeah. the only one I know. <laughs> uh, so I need to figure out a language for Goblin. Yeah, whatever you want to have learned. I'm trying to think what makes sense for Luis, although it's going to be fun to watch people bounce back between Luis and Luis. <laughs> I think I've called them both, which is half the fun. <laughs> okay. So if you pick one, well, oh, that's that's the trick. Oh, okay. You he have grew to pick... up. He grew up Lewis because he's from the Midwest, essentially. But he's a thespian in New York, so he's Luis. Okay. Luis. Luis. <laughs> to which I'm only that darling just calls L U I S. Just Luis. So a mechanic who happens to be from Eastern Europe. So he has some familiarity with the area. Gotta love those coincidences. Mm -hmm. Okay. I will be putting him together and that is the, that will be getting you started. The good news is as you've made your way down the mountain, and into this kind of a, a small abandoned hamlet at the base. You do find a cold, dark manor house that you can take shelter in. At least till you figure out a plan. And as you step up to the castle, we will start next week. Sounds like a great plan of action. Mm-hmm. Nothing ever goes wrong in dark Eastern European manor houses. Mm-hmm. Not a bit. Okay, guys, look at look at my journal for this for, for this campaign. Uh, we'll be fine. I, no. I've got it. I've got it. It's fine. All right, you've got it covered. <laughs> pew pew. Do you though? Yes. Yeah, I mean, story. he does end up dead, so I guess that's par for the course for us. Spoilers. <laughs> he also lets several children die so one in particular spoilers <laughs> brings them into space how long has this been, movie been out these movies been out come on no one cares anymore Disney plus man Disney plus yeah uh. no one cares I think you're like after a after a a year it's my own fault yeah, yeah. like I try not to go like, looking but if I get a spoiler I'm like yeah that's on me like come on the I, memes alone. I did inadvertently do that to a class of 10th graders one time. <gasps> I, we were, I was talking about proofs. And I said, well, you know, it's, it's like you're trying to make an argument. Like, say your teacher says that you have to prove the primary theme of, of Mice and Men is that man is basically screwed by his circumstances. We all knew Lenny was going to die at the end of the book. It's just what was going to happen. And then I have like 20 10th graders with these wide eyes staring at me. Y'all haven't finished yet, have you? She just assigned it last week. Oh, no! <laughs> oh, no. I was going to say, how many people actually read Nice Men anymore? But oh, there you go. Man, oh, that hurt. That hurt a lot. Oh. Oof. Ouch. Oof. 
I actually heard about that one too from one of the English teachers. I, was I, was I feel say, like you're I getting hate mail in the teacher's lounge. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I bet that, that teacher had, had a lot to say. I've, I've learned a little bit. Now I'm more like, so what books have you finished? <laughs> so I can reference them for this argument. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the thing. It's like so funny around the time mm-hmm. those movies came out. Like I saw like there's like those funny like posts online of people like, like English teachers posting a big old sign on on their doors talking about if you talk about marvel in my room and it's a spoiler you're getting an f i was like wow that's super serious jeez i used to comic book shop none none of of these movies were surprising to me (laughs) it's all just storylines that i've already read (laughs) i mean that's fair but like i i I had the same experience you know what i mean I, i did the same thing with like the walking dead i read the books but then when the deaths actually happen. I still sat there and cried for an hour yeah. <laughs> on the TV show. <laughs> because it's like how how they present the death and how they die. And the those stories diverge pretty dramatically because Kirkman, yeah. Kirkman set out to tell a different story than the story he had told see, in the comics. See, that was why though. That was that's right. the kicker. Yeah. I was nope. like, I was like, he's not gonna do that. Right. He's not gonna he's not gonna do it. <laughs> went to the last Hobbit movie in Full cosplay and no makeup, because mm. I knew there was there was going to be no point. Whenever I when I went to go see No Way Home, my my former friend was like, "Bring tissues." That's all I'm going to say. And I was like, "Oh boy!" Oh yeah. I was like, "Oh man, why?" <laughs> sure enough, I come out of the movie theater like sniffling, like. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, no, 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 uh, you know, idea how this is going to start out. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be fine. Eh, just going to spend the night in the castle. It's what fine. could go wrong? We'll, what could we'll go be wrong? Fine. It's, mm-hmm. it's going to be great. Okay, so we've Sleep got over. we've got the backgrounds. I'm also going to be adding to the character scroll below me over the next couple of days, uh, two characters at a time with some of the snippets that we came up with, um, just to again help kind of flesh things out for people that are just joining us. Um, I would encourage the four of you to also, as things happen that you think deserve a character card, let me know, and I'll add it onto another card in the scroll. Um, the biggest thing I bump into with this as a streamer is just forgetting to go update some of the stuff. So we could get three months in and it still has all your initial stuff. And we've had some really great memories that you think better to find the characters. Um, and that's, I think is kind of all I wanted to get done tonight. I think we got the rules covered. We've got our background stuff. Um, I think we're kind of ready to say good night and ship everybody over to hang out with somebody else for a little while. As far as we go. And so to that end, I'm going to start that process. Um, my dear friend Pond is actually streaming right now. She was on yesterday morning in our international pirate game uh, where we have someone in Queensland, one in Scotland, one in England, one in Brooklyn, one in Maine, and one in Michigan. Good gravy. Uh, yeah, it's, it's really funny because Pond and I are just waking up for Saturday and, and Les is just going to bed on Saturday when we sit down to play. That's hilarious. Because she's the one in Queensland, um, which is really fun. Yeah, my, my games aren't that, uh, like, literally, there's two two play me and me and boyfriend, who are right over there, and then literally 
all three of the other players are over in the UK. So like we start at like the start of the night at like six, but for them, it's already well into the night. It's like 10, 11. And it's like, sorry, we're keeping you up till two. That's how it rolls. Time zones. So on that note, we're going to say good night to everybody. We're going to thank you for coming over and hanging out with us while we had our session zero stuff next week. We get to start rolling some dice and fighting ghosts or whatever okay. else lurks inside Ooh. the house. I was going to say, did you just spoil it for us? Ghosts <laughs> aren't real. But whatever else they find in the house of laments. How do I punch through a ghost? Very mm-hmm. carefully. We're not real. We're clearly hallucinating. <laughs> Until next myself. week. Stay safe. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for listening to Ravenloft 1921, an actual play, 5th edition, live Dungeons & Dragons game. This episode was recorded at twitch.tv slash lanternnoir. For early access to audio episodes and other in-game insights, please consider joining our Patreon at patreon.com.